Ladies and gentlemen, for the second time ever, I am presenting to you Poolside History with David Pool. Thank you for the introduction. Glad to be back. And I got two words for today's show that should get everyone's blood pumping, and I mean pumping it out long and hard. Here are the two words. Everyone's heard them. Everyone's mind is going to go to a picture that they have created in their heads. Robin Hood. Robin of Loxley. The something of thieves. The prince of thieves. Steals from the rich. Gives to the poor. Everybody and their mother knows the almost nearly thousand-year-old legend of Robin Hood. I'm here today to tell you that every man, every woman, every child, every alien on another galaxy in a footlocker in the Space Jam Coliseum has their own right to picture Robin Hood and the legend however they see fit. I don't care what they say about Christianity, Islam, Judaism. Some of that shit can be made up, it can be real, I don't care. What I do know is that Robin Hood and the legend behind it is such a legend that they are now real in the minds of us. You can't prove one way or the other that they really existed. But the fact remains that the legend is so strong, they are real people in the heart and minds of history. Is that kind of far thought? Could be pushing some limbs here. But that's what we do at Poolside History, and that's what I'm going to get into today. I'm going to tell you some of the real shit that relates to Robin Hood that we know that actually went down, that was written down, that we have read down. But then I'm going to talk about my Robin Hood, how I see Robin Hood, and how I think everyone else has managed to fuck up Robin Hood, especially in Hollywood, over the last 30 years. When you get a chance every decade to throw in millions of dollars in a new Robin Hood movie, and you try to stray it away from the damn good story that is the reason why it is lasting for a thousand years and you try to change it and you get a shitty movie they wonder why they get a shitty movie Even okay alright I'm saving this for later I was about to go off on Russell Crowe that's going to come in time Woo! kind of got fired up there for a second Fucking Russell Crowe. The Gladiator. That's it. He's going to come later. The Gladiator fucked up Robin of Loxley. Robin Hood. Alright, so let's get to the real shit. Stuff we do know in the people that were there. Story's going to have a big hinge point on Richard the Lionheart. The first Richard of England. He's going to be born in like 1150. He's going to rule right up into the 1200. 
year mark in the year of our Lord 1200 about a year or two there he's gonna catch a bolt in the neck while laying siege to one of his French castles which pretty badass way to go out though I mean he won a pussy king he was a warrior king kind of sucks though as a crossbow bolt but he wanted to give the guy a shot because he was so far away all right never mind that, that we talk about that later at the death of Richard okay so you got King Dick right Richard the Lionheart I'm not insulting him for being calling him King Dick but I think King Dick is a pretty badass sir name I mean uh, that guy you know slayed even though he didn't even leave him a good seed Speaking of not leaving a seed, alright, so he didn't have any kids, right? No heirs. King Dick usurps the throne in a civil war from his father as a teenager with some help from the King of France. But big deal. He ace that prick too. So his dad, Henry II, imprisons his mom. Queen Eleanor, Duchess of Aquitaine. About an 80 year old bad bitch. Been a bad bitch most of her life. You don't get to be an 80 year old queen without knowing how to wheel and deal and playing the game. Eleanor knows that. So, her son, favorite son, let's just get that out of the way, let's all know that. Richard usurps the throne, civil war with his dad, he becomes king. Shouts Eleanor out of jail. We're one happy family with a little brother named Prince John. Now, Prince John, related to Robin Hood, gets a more covered role and prominent feature than all the other guys combined. Well, except Robin Hood, but I guess of these three cast members. Uh, and then, okay, I'm going to throw this one out there. You got King Philip of France. He's going to be the money guy behind the scenes. We're going to talk about him in a second. All right. So, one more recap before I talk about him. King Dick, Richard the Lionheart, same guy. Little brother, Prince John. He's going to try to take the throne from King Richard. Queen Eleanor, Duchess of Aquitaine. The f mother of... King Dick and Prince John. Then you got King Philip of France. He's going to be murking in this shit constantly. These are all real people. Here's their stories. And this shit really happened. King Dick gets the throne. He goes, I, y'all got a badass warrior king back in charge now. We've been at Civil War. We're all good here in the home front. Everyone's been pardoned. Uh, he even made his dad's number two guy, William DeMarshall, who's a badass. He fought in all the tournaments across Europe. Pretty much waxed at them all. I don't think he was ever unseated. He, he was the real knight's tale, but a rational knight the whole time. He was a badass. The only person that really beat him in a battlefield was King Richard. When they did, like, uh, they ended up just, like, in a fucking joust when King Richard was, like, about to capture his dad. King Dick unhorsed William the Marshal and then made a pass. William the Marshal draws his fucking sword, like, let's go. 
And King Dick's like sitting on his horse like, bro, I will just immediately kill you. I'm on a horse. You're just standing there. How about we just do this another time? Like, you're cool. I got respect for you. And then he just rode off. Well, inevitably, they catch his dad, whatever. They're like thinking about what to do with everybody that was with King Henry II and all the traitors is what they were talking about. And William and Marshall was like the baddest knight among them. And everyone's like, kill this dude. Because like, he's the one that will come back to bite you in the ass. And Richard's like, oh yeah, that's a real good idea. But I think I'm going to make him my number two. So King Richard goes off on the crusades and he goes William Marshall while I'm gone why don't you stay here in England and you be my one of my three just justiciars and you control the power of the of the crown while I'm gone fighting you keep shit here stable I mean that's a pretty cool deal so William Marshall you need to keep a side note King Dick goes off to Jerusalem Thousands of miles away. Months long voyage. He even has to stop in Italy and take over his like sister-in-law's husband. Was the king of Italy. Some country out there. And he gets usurped. So like, on the way to Jerusalem he's like, oh my fucking brother-in-law is being a dick. I gotta stop by. And he threw my sister in jail. Let me just go and take over his kingdom in a weekend. He did that shit. Threw out the usurpa, put his brother-in-law back on the throne, got back in his boats and was like, sideshow's over, let's fucking go to Jerusalem. Goes to Jerusalem, he attacks Saladin, he actually never takes Jerusalem. That's a whole other story. We can talk about the Crusades another day. But what you need to know is he spends three years in the Holy Lands fighting the Crusades. Another magic part. While he's doing that, King Richard's in the Holy Lands. You got old fucking loose nut Prince John staying back home, supposed to be helping run the country in Dick's absence while he's fighting a Holy Crusade. Well, Prince John sees some opportunity. He goes, look. My bro, he's off fighting some fucking heathen bashers thousands of miles away. There's a good chance the journey alone might kill him. Much less the fucking war and disease. The fact that you were sailing over there in little shithead boats with pirates the whole way in storms? I mean, you can even get on the water for six months because of the winter storms. There is a good chance that that dude's not coming back. So Prince John's like, look, I'm going to just take this fucking throne now. To take the throne, I got to get the backing of barons. And I got to make those barons see my way, or I got to get them the hell out. So... One only other person that could really kind of see Prince John help him to like what he, stop what he's doing was going to be his mom, Eleanor. Now she's in Aquitaine. Aquitaine is in France. And if you look at the map, 
you kind of see England and then you kind of go to the southeast, you got all of France, right? Well, if you look up medieval, like 1200 Europe, right? England actually controls a pretty good portion of France. This is why there's going to be a lot of French battles and campaigns and shit like that for the next 100 years. I mean, I think for like 600 fucking years they fought over this shit. It's where the middle finger comes from. Hey, you're blocking your U-Bow! I still got my middle finger, you motherfucker! Like, that's kind of where it all comes from, right? Because you used to pluck the U with your three middle fingers and then the Frenchies would cut them fuckers off. So then the, the Brits would be like, yo, motherfucker, I still got my middle finger and they'd be shooting it at you. Alright. So, Eleanor Agartain, the mama, she's in France, seeing this shit that John's doing. He's now seized control of all, of, like, northern central Britain. Except the Scots, right? Everybody knows Scotlands are all running fucking wild on their own and they only had like a quarter of Ireland under control. But from the conquered, from the ruling civil Britain, John sees control of all the central part uh, and northern parts, which are pretty wealthy places. Uh, he, however, does not have London in Oxford. Pretty crucial places to have if you're trying to fuck around there and take over country. Uh, Eleanor Aquitaine ends up going to London. There she kind of helps moderate this troublesome Prince John, her son, who's now turned into an asshole and they're no longer talking and they see what is going on. Uh, so Eleanor is now wheeling and dealing with William de Marshall trying to stop people from going over to Prince John's side. And what it comes down to is people were just not then paying taxes to little John and not to King Richard and going back to the country. So that's pretty much what it really takes to get the throne. It's like, well, everyone here is paying me. You're like a mob boss. It's pretty simple. Uh... Prince John starting to receive some pretty good revenue. He ends up spending a shit ton of money and buys an army of Flemish and Irish mercenary armies. These are well trained, well equipped, and experienced soldiers that got zero problems with fucking up English people, especially the Flemish. The Flemish knights, really it's not really knights, there's a couple of knights and captains, shit like that, but knights actually slipped out there. The Flemish soldiers have very excellent crossbowmen. Crossbows, powerful bolts, shorter range, powerful, pierce armor, slow to reload. They'll come to face the British U longbow, faster, uh, faster, what was the goddamn word I'm thinking of? Faster, uh, shot rate, rate of shots, whatever. They could shoot like fucking 10 a minute or 20, 15, I don't know. Fucking, they could shoot one every five seconds, right? 
Load it, pull, draw, shoot. Crossbows, you got to crank the fuck up. I mean, they're, they're, they're old wooden motherfuckers, too. Like, they take a minute to load one shot. They would fight in pairs with shields. Longbowmen, you could just have one at one dudes at a time. They just reach up, grab a quiver out of the ground, grab an arrow, strew it, aim it, launch it, going on the next one. Every 10 seconds, you're throwing an accurate long distance, up to 200 paces. With a bobkin point, they could punch right through that uh, plate or mail armor. Uh, the chain mail is most common. Uh, every now and then you come across some wealthy fucking duke or earl that might have some plates. But chainmail is what you're really going to come up against in that time period. Uh, okay, so John had this Flemish mercenary army substituted some Irishmen, right? They would go around collecting the taxes and being very brutal to the local population. This is very unsettling, and they were just burning everything dry, and they would rape these poor women, and I'm sure young boys, because they were Flemish. I don't think they really cared. They were having a good time, and you know, I mean, if you're a mercenary, it was a pretty good gig. <laughs> I mean, to go to another country and do this, I mean, that, it, just, it was a dream job for them. So, I mean, I can't really knock them for that stuff, right? I wouldn't have been a rapey, I, I mean, a raper. Definitely wouldn't have been a rapey. Uh, but yeah, savage, savage things to do when you're just trying to get the taxes. Uh, so, King Philip is the king of France. He makes a pledge with all the other Christian knights. And nobles and everybody that they would not fuck with anybody else that was engaged in the Crusades. King of Austria wasn't supposed to fuck with King Richard either, right? He's all fighting the heathens in Jerusalem. Leave his shit alone. He's doing all of his Christians a favor. Well, Philip's like, yeah, bro, uh, about that, I can pay Prince John. And Philip is constantly working and undermining other barons and putting his little fingers in the fucking kingdom and just kind of meddling the fuck in it while King Richard's gone. And here's the other thing. King Philip was in fact on the Crusades with King Dick, with Richard. And he was just like, yo, Richard, like, uh, I'm feeling like shit, man. I'm getting sick. I gotta go, bro. You got this. And King Richard's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you can't just leave a crusade. He's like, <laughs> I'm the king, bro. <laughs> I gotta dip out. So King Richard is like, God damn it. I've known you for fucking 50 years. We've been fighting each other forever. I know you hate it that I own half your fucking backyard. And you, you, I can just see him right now. He points that fucking finger at He goes, you don't fuck with my shit, though, while I'm over here cleaning up this goddamn mess you left in the Crusades. And Philip, oh, no, Richard. No, Richard. Of course not me. I won't do nothing to your lands, Richard. No, don't you worry, amigo. Well, you know, Philip gets back. And the first thing he does is start fucking around King Richard shit. 
and he's just like, yo, I could get this fucking pompous fucking Prince John on the throne. If I put him on the throne, I can control that motherfucker always. He's like, I'll have him in my pocket because he wouldn't have been there without me. So he's sending John money and he's sending him the right men. He's sending well weedered commanding knights to lead an army to, to lead to lead thousands of mercenaries. Not just a fucking dude to fight. He's sending over spies. He's flooding the English church systems with fucking a thousand or hundreds of fucking spies. And I'm not talking about like a little priest here and there. He's trying to get the money to the archbishops, to all those cadavers, and get in as much information, as much bad information, and just stir the pot to cause a heartache for the country of Britain. Alright. That is the real life situation that is going on. So now for the fun part, let's figure out how all that unveils by creating our own hero and importing him into this story of Game of Thrones and giving him his own band of merry men and his own hardships that he overcomes as a metaphor for the entire country coming together in rejoicing at the return of King Richard. In fact, I was going to save it, but I think it would be a little harder and confusing. One last piece of real history after all that shit that's happening. King Richard is returning from the Crusades. He is captured by the King of Austria, Duke Leopold, and held for ransom of 100,000 marks. Which is an absurd amount of money. It was something like a third of all the silver in England. I mean, it was ridiculous. It is the highest ransom ever paid, and I think since it's ever been paid easily. I know. I, I don't even think they would have forked over that much for Winston Churchill. And I'm damn. They better not fork it over for Queen Elizabeth or whoever the fuck is in it now. Because of how much money they owe Venezuela. But anyways, that's never here nor there. Main thing is, King Richard is taken hostage, held for ransom, and that has to get paid back. So on to Robin Hood. The legend, interpreted many different ways. But one thing that I am a stout believer in, that I hate when people fuck up. Is he was born noble. I like to think of him as coming from Loxley. Small little uh, subject. See, I don't know what you call it. Uh, they, they had a small mainership in Yorkshire, right? Right by Nottingham. By adjacent to Sherwood Forest. Now, this is very crucial, I think. Robin Hood grew up as Robin of Loxley. Real name, Robert of Loxley. His father 
was the Earl of Loxley. Growing up in this manner is very important because he is trained to fight. How they ruled England in this time period was you had knights and barons and everyone like that of a noble stock. And they had squires. Squires helped knights and the knights trained the squires. And the squires would all eventually become knights. It did not happen on just nameship alone to become a knight. What this serviced as preventing the peasants and working class from revolting against the overlords. To do this, they would also prevent peasants from fighting and owning with swords. They were seen as a noble weapon. So the price of a sword went way up. One, a peasant should never be able to afford afford to buy one. Two, if he has one, it ain't for their good reasons, throw that motherfucker in jail. He might start an uprising or something. We don't need that. You had to be a knight or a squire. Whenever they needed to call a levy, the militia up, give them the spears, and they would have hunting bows to shoot a fucking rabbit. It was illegal to shoot a deer, but they could shoot a rabbit all they wanted, right? So with Robin Hood being from a noble bread, he is trained from childhood how to fight in the arts of warfare. This is going to where I'm going to make my first nitpick with old fucking Russell Crowe. Where he just is an imposter, Robin Hood, for some fucking reason they decided to do that. Where it's just some random guy who's just all of a sudden real good with a sword. Yeah, bullshit, dude. Robin Hood grows up learning how to fight as a fucking nobleman's son who had a master of arms, a dedicated knight, dedicated to just the training of Robin, of Robert at that time, I should say, and any other squires in that man's household. And now for the introduction of Robin's first of Merry Men, which is his band of outlaws and homies. Again, everyone has a different interpretation of Robin Hood and his whole Merry Men. This is mine. And the Master of Arms at Loxley Castle was indeed Little John. He was very big, definitely fought with a stick, and could whip the shit out of pretty much anybody. Although, one thing I want to really focus on, that although he fought with a stick a lot, and he trained with it a lot, and told those kids, you need to learn how to fight with a stick, because that might be all that you have to fight with, i.e. when you just get lost in the woods, you need to pick up a stick and beat back a fucking pack of wolves yeah 
you're gonna be glad you knew how to fight with that fucking stick. Little John, master of arms for Lost Week Castle, taught Robin how to fight since he was a kid. He was a master two-handed axeman. Did not need a shield, could swing a big hand heavy two-handed axe any which way with ease. He didn't need a pierce fucking armor with it because he could dent it and dent skulls with it. Crush whole rib cages in. He will fold a man in half and splinter his backbone with just a simple flat edge blast of his big heavy ass two-handed axe. Also, if he needed to break into a room or something, very handy to have around. Okay, so... You got Robin Hood being grown up in this castle in Loxley with Little John teaching him how to fight. And now we come to another important crossroads in Robin's life where people don't really have it. Really kind of argue what really happened. And I'm going to ask you though. When does Robert become an outlaw? And two, how? And now to answer this, there's a couple motifs that I want to talk about. One motif is that Robin hates the church. All through it, he hates the church, has no likeness for him whatsoever. Number two about Robin, he fights in the Crusades. I think that is a very important aspect of Robin. Because it was like fucking Vietnam back then. Everyone used to skirmish and shit. But when you went to the Crusades. And you fought the thousands of Saladin's fucking horsemen. And you had to march in columns for miles. And I'm talking about hundreds of miles. With them just harassing horsemen harassing you sides with arrows and if you tried to charge off after them on their on their smaller ponies they would ride away and then when you were away from the column they would slaughter you so you had no choice but to endure this horrendous march against these Saladin horsemen that were just pecking at you like wasps on a grizzly bear these men came back changed not just with PTSD, but I would fuck this world up and had a great sense of military attitude. Robin came back with this from the Crusades. Although there, the dilemma is if he left for the Crusades as an outlaw or if he became outlawed when he returned. I like to believe almost in both ways. I have two versions in my head. I'm going to give them to you both because it really just depends on what kind of Robin Hood I want that day. I mean, this is the hardest part for me. Okay, so I'm going to lay you out like two circumstances. One of them I'm going to take from the Outlaw series uh, by Dennis D. Ohane. I'm going to tell you his version because I think it's a very badass version and it deserves his unique credit for his portrayal. Again, it's from the Outlaw series. Robin, Robert, same guy, has 
a priest tutor that his father gave him that sexually abuses him. He is around 15, 16 years old. This has been going on for years and his father will not help at all. Robert has enough one night. He ties the priest down to his bed. He then takes out some candles and he starts to burn the priest alive and skin him from his bones. But before he's dead, he shoves his cross that the priest is wearing up his ass all the way to the hilt. He then proceeds to slit his throat and from that day forth, he is an outlaw. He flees Loxley and pursues the life of an outlaw and becomes the leader of an outlaw band in Sherwood Forest. And he proceeds to gain his pardon from King Richard if he takes his outlaw band with him and fights on the Crusades with Richard. I think this is a very dope reason and story behind Robin Hood. I think it really sets it up beautifully and I tend to favor this one more. Another interpretation of Robin Hood is not as badass, I think it's pretty equally badass, is Robin, Robert grows up, 17 years old, 16, Richard goes off to fight the Crusades. Robert of Locksley volunteers for the household to go fight on the Crusades so his dad, who's getting old, can remain back and rule the homestead. He's too old to fight. Richard goes, uh, Robert goes with Richard on the Crusades. They end up meeting uh, Robert, proves himself valuable to the king as he is able to spy relentlessly. Uh, he commits some couple great feats with his bow and some long distance shooting. He catches King Richard's eye. He finds out that Robert is very good stealthily and sneaks into the Saladin's camp and gets info and steals some fucking exotic fruits. And this is where Robert really hones in his stealth skills and really learns the idea of mentally fucking with your opponent and doing some ruse de gays and Richard totally appreciates this and really sees Robert as a valuable asset and really this is in every aspect of when Robert's on Crusades with Richard alright Robert returns from the Crusades years later he is presumed dead after being captured on a failed mission into one of Saladin's camps his dad, everyone thinks he is dead. No one's heard of him from the army for years. King Richard is taken captive on his retreat. Uh, on his trip back to England. Father Loxley has given up all hope. So has Prince John. He knows it's just one old man 
sitting in Loxley that is just refusing to pay him taxes because he swore loyalty to King Richard and Prince John's like, look, this old fuck ain't paying me my money. I'm going to send some of my mercs to his house. Y'all burn that shit down, topple that fucking little castle of his, and be done with it. Get my rent money. So. Prince John sends men to Papa Loxley's house. Little John is there. They, uh, Prince John's men proceed to kill Papa Loxley. Prince John finds about, about it after it's too late to react. He kills as many of them as he can. Loxley's dead. They're trying to kill him. He slayed like 15 dudes already, right? They got the crossbow bolts out. Little John, he springs over the fucking wall. He takes off in the middle of the night in the Sherwood Forest. Uh, can't really blame him, right? All is lost there. Fucking the dude's dead. He still had hope for Robin. Fast forward X amount of time. Within a year. That next spring. Let's make it beautiful weather. Some Englishman breaks out of some old prison camp in the middle of Jerusalem. He shakes out of town, smuggles himself on a boat, finds himself back home in England. He gets on some little pony. He does whatever he has to do. Wins a dice game, gets some money, gets a little fucking Irish colt. He heads back up to Loxley. What does he find there? He doesn't find shit. He finds his old fucking fort, couple stones left up, his little fucking thrown up castle, burn all to hell, fucked all up. He talks to some of the local people, they're like, oh, Robert, is that you? Your father, he was murdered by Prince John. Prince John now rules here by the Sheriff of Nottingham, in Nottingham Castle, we've been paying taxes to. So, Robin's like, oh, the fuck he does? Robert gets on his little fucking nag, and he goes up to Nottingham Castle, asks to see the sheriff. Sheriff calls him an imposter. Said Robin of Loxley's dead. He goes, no, I am in fact Robert of Loxley. It gets heated. Robert draws his sword on the sheriff. A dozen of the sheriff's crossbowmen come out. Now, Robert's got two moves. And unfortunately, with the sword drawn on the sheriff, he was just declared an outlaw. I got no problem with this. If he attacked and killed the sheriff, nothing would be done. Prince John would appoint a different sheriff of Nottingham an outlaw I mean Robin would still be an outlaw and probably shot with a dozen bolts from this crossbowman with a cooler head I like to picture that Robert does the classic grab the rope from the chandelier 
cut the chandelier rope. It falls down on the crossbowman. Robert goes flying up to the top of the walls. The sheriff is yelling, kill him. He is an outlaw. Oh, you drawn your sword of the sheriff is like drawing it on the king himself. And Robert's up there at the top of the wall going, Prince John is no king, for King Richard still lives. And your Prince John is a dirty usurper, and no tenant of Robert of Rossley shall pay another dime to the sheriff of Nottingham. And with that, Robert does an awesome fucking swan flip dive into the moat, doing a half-tuck roll, splashes in there. It's the one deep part because he used to fuck a girl from high, from high school there. Whatever. Some tavern witch. He used to go bend over there in the moat because she was a big old girl and would be weightless. <laughs> Fucking her in the moat. He knew exactly where to cannonball into. He gets up, grabs his nag, he pounds off to Sherwood Forest. Robert of Loxley is no more. He's having to go by an alias of Robin. He is an outlaw. Free to be killed by any man and turned in for a bounty. So, part two of Little John. On this scenario. Actually, just bringing both scenarios together of how Robin became an outlaw. One was he killed the fucking priest and then he went into the woods or whatever. King Richard found out that he was, uh, had his whole band of outlaws that were real good longbowmen. He gave, he'd give them all pardons if they would go help him fight in the Crusades. He does that. All of his men get killed on an ambush or whatever when they were out attacking with their bows. Robin gets captured. He returns home, has that same scenario with the sheriff as the other story, right? So now he is back home by himself in Sherwood Forest, where he stumbles upon no other than Little John. Now here's the funny thing, though, that I like to think. Robin immediately recognizes Little John. And he <laughs> look, here's my old fucking master standing on this little, narrow, little walkway across this forge, on this river forge, right? And he's like doing the whole, you got to pay me a toll, traveling man, or I'm going to beat your head in, or you must cross somewhere else. But there's nowhere else to cross this river for 14 miles, so pay me my toll, little man. And Robin, being Robin, and he sees this dude like, oh, this motherfucker, he doesn't know who I am. So he goes up to him and goes, this is my land. I ain't paying you to cross my own river. And little John says, well, I guess you're just going to have to pick that stick up and fucking beat me then, don't you? So he throws him the stick, right? Robin catches a stick, takes off a sword belt, whatever, and says, fuck it, let's go, let's go, man, I'll beat your ass. And Robin, cheerio, very charismatic, flips a switch. 
he gets a little shitty grin on his face. Little John notices this, and he thinks in the back of his mind, could this be him? And he does a couple little test, little test swings at Robin, right? Robin does it a couple like clumsy, little clumsy blocks. Oh, I barely blocked it, right? So they're kind of feeling each other out a little bit. Well, they do this a couple of times. Robin takes a couple hits. And little John says, stay the fuck down and just pay me my money. You're, you're well-dressed. You're a rich you're a rich nobleman of some sort. I know you got money. Just give me some gold coins, some silver, and I'll let you just go on. I won't beat you up anymore. And Robin says, okay, one more try. And he gets up. And this time, little John sees that grin just a little bit bigger. And he really thinks this might be who he thinks he is, but he's not convinced. And he does an attack. It goes high, faints, faints high, goes low, faints low, goes high. Robert sees this coming a mile away and does the exact same thing. Little John is shocked. All of a sudden, this man went from a crumbly bumbly stick fighter to knowing what the fuck he's doing. And then Robert, for the first time, goes on the attack and makes little John copy his every single move. And any fighter will tell you, if you're just having to mirror, you're not implementing the fight yourself, you're not changing the balance into your favor. You are being forced to react instead of making your opponent react. What you want to do. You got to change the scenario up. Robin did this. He took the advantage and he all of a sudden had the upper hand. Next thing little John knows, he's getting flat on his back, stick in the stomach, and he's head under the water. Robert lets out a fucking big bellow of a laugh. The shitty grin all over his face. And he says, come now, little John. You'll catch a cold. <laughs> and little John goes, Robert, you little bastard. I didn't even recognize you. And he grabs the stick. They hold each other up. They get a big hug. Little John had no idea his fucking old student had grown up. He became a man fighting in the Crusades. Here he is. A full-blown man that kicked his own ass when he did nothing but teach his kid how to fight for his whole life. Oh, man, a beautiful remark. And then this other chap, all of a sudden, comes out of the bushes, cracking up laughing. Named of Will Scarlet, which is Robin's fucking cousin. He goes, Robert, is that you? Ah, oh, it is me. But who is he, lad? It is I, Will Scarlet, your cousin. Oh, fuck. So they have like a whole other homecoming with Will Scarlet. And he'd just been apparently pounding around with little John after his mom caught the fever and died. And he got sent to live at Lossley Manor. And anyways, little John gives him the bad news. Said, Robert, I was there. I fought with your dad. I tried to kill them all. I killed as many as I could. They already killed your father. I just 
I ended up escaping. I said, I can't avenge his death tonight, but we will get the sheriff and Prince John, the real men behind your father's murder. Little John and Will Scarlet, right there on the spot, pleasure loyalty to Robin of Loxley. Robin Hood. As they are now outlaws, and Robin has his first bout of merry men. This will be the ending point for my part one, the saga of Robin Hood, the legend. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that one. Robin Hood, the legend. <laughs> okay, so we got Robin Hood, the real shit that's behind it, the start of the legend, and the first of his merry men, Will Scarlet and Little John. We will be back next week with the introductions of Friar Tuck, Lady Miriam, and the glory days of the onset of the outlaw ways of Robin Hood and his merry, merry men. Until next time, as always, I am David Poole. This is Poolside History. I hope y'all have a good one, America, and everywhere else on this worldwide web of listeners. We will be back with Bud Light and anything else in between. Good luck and good night and farewell, you lovely ladies.